we'd had like a quarterly meeting or a picnic or something like that. And we went and had an exact dinner and we made our way over to Century Bar and there were three or four other people from the company there ahead of us. And he starts talking about like, I think I want to go do this. Like, da, 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 da. like, that's cool, man. Like, you know, you absolutely should. Da, 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 da. Like, I support entrepreneurism and all that kind of stuff. And like literally next day, like 10 o'clock, so he's like, yeah, Josh quit. He's oh, no. I was like, oh, you just inspired him so much. Well, like, yeah, right? I was like, I'm, I need to like not drink and encourage people. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that was maybe over you the top. You know what? I'm a big fan <laughs> of entrepreneurs, but I do think the whole like, if you really want to go, you should just go quit your job. I think we overhyped that a little yeah, sometimes. That's... Because like, but there's a lot to be said for cash flow. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, you do not will yourself into cash flow starting a business. Most businesses fail. One of the things I've talked to a lot of people that say they want to do something is, one, the perceived risk is actually probably higher than the real risk, right? There are ways to there's mitigate exactly what you're talking about, cash flow yeah. and stuff. And there's a lot of ways to mitigate that. That's one thing I learned. The other piece of it was very much of, if you can't handle the lows, mm -hmm. don't do it. Because right. you're going to have cash flow problems. You're going to you have are. something fall right. through. It's going to happen. It's unavoidable almost. So, you know, everybody can handle the highs. When mm -hmm. things are going well, it's awesome. And everybody right. loves it. And you're just like, of course, just loving life. If you can't handle the lows, yeah. you, you know, and that's one of the critiques my wife's had of me for it was our 21st anniversary yesterday, mm -hmm. right? Well, so we've been at it a while. Oh, like your uh, marriage anniversary? Yeah, 21. Oh, that's a long time, man. Yeah, no, right? So you've handled some lows, because nobody gets 20 years <laughs> yeah. without some lows, right? right? So. But one of her critiques of me for the longest time is like, you don't get too excited about anything. I was like, but I don't get too down about anything either, right? Yeah. I can kind of, I'm always kind of getting flow on that. And I think that's translated well on the, on the entrepreneur side, because you're going to get kicked. I got really good advice from uh, a mentor from a few years back. Um, he was like a sales leader. I worked for him in a sales capacity. And he said some wise advice I think he had heard from somebody else. And he said, it's never as good as it seems. And it's never as bad as it seems. Yeah. And he went on to say, that was the best part of the advice. But he went on to say, when things are really good, keep grinding. When things are really bad, keep grinding. And that and that's it. That's the total message, right? Man, I need that message so much every day because I'm a. Uh, I wouldn't say manic is an exaggeration. I exaggerate my emotion. I exaggerate to myself, right? Like even in the way that I describe that tendency to myself, right? So like, yeah. I have that tendency to be erratic, even in the way I describe my own emotions to myself. I have to remind myself it's never that serious. It's never as high as it seems. It's never as low as it seems, and that discipline or that mentality has been one of the most useful things to me as a business owner. Everybody's got their kind of unique takes to those kind of things. Mine, I tend to have a rational confidence. Good. Right. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's misplaced, mm -hmm. but I'm not, a, I'm not a pessimist at all. Even when you get a setback, it's like, okay, here's the other 12 things that could work out. Let's get mm -hmm. after it. Cause mm -hmm. the grind part's important. Mm -hmm. Not grind in that uh, played out entrepreneur thing. Like, not that kind of ground. It's more about persistence, mm -hmm. consistency. That's right. Always showing up and doing the work, right? right. So I ended up, I, I got a tattoo several years ago with, you know, things are going well and you're all like, yeah, okay. But the thing I needed to remember was, and I got a tattoo of a wrench. And it was like, just like a plumber, you got to show up every day and turn that wrench, mm -hmm. right? Software is no different. Technology is no different. It tends to scale faster. Yeah. Right. And it has maybe more uh, upward uh, capacity to it, but you still got to show up and turn that wrench every day. Sure. 
Or it all goes away, right? Yeah. The classic sure. success is rented and rents due every day type of thing. To me, that's not grinding. No, that's right. again, persistence, consistency, doing the work. I've seen a lot of people that take that grind philosophy and it's like, oh, I only sleep three hours. I only yeah. eat one meal. And like, what do you got to show for it? Like, if you're not getting outcomes from it, you're just grinding. You're just beating your head against the wall. So there's, there's something to be said for doing things that are meaningful, that are pushing towards quality outcomes, et cetera. It's yeah. not just about activity. It's about productivity. That's right. Activity is a better way to state that. Okay. To state it the way I believe it. I don't believe in the grind. Like, I'm not trying to compete with people in terms of the number of hours I work, right? I don't, right. I don't grind that way. Yeah. So I'm with you on that. It's about consistently doing the activity. Yeah. And I think that was one of the maybe advantages I had as an older entrepreneur, right? I was mm -hmm. mid to late 30s. Mm -hmm. I had kids. And one of the things that I committed to was I'm still going to pick up kids from practice. I'm not going to miss games. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to sacrifice those things. Because again, all this stuff's fleeting. It might go away. Mm -hmm. And to like put all your eggs in that basket and miss all that stuff. And then That's you right. got to show back up and be like, I didn't mean it, kids. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I know it didn't work out. Right. Nothing against you. And they're like, where were you for three or four? That's years? right. They show I show up and you're 25. Or they're 25 and you have a bunch of money and you apologize. They don't care right. about your money. Right. So I committed to that. And, and again, I think as starting a company, been a little older. I had more perspective for those things. So I've always tried to find that balance. The work still gets done and there's still plenty of work to do, but you got to navigate that stuff well. The hustle mentality is kind of what yeah. you're talking about. Right, yeah. Grind mentality whenever. Yeah, I certainly, uh, I certainly don't subscribe to that. I was talking to another guest who was in here about the kind of the, the mixing of family and work and how do you kind of turn one off and turn the other on and whatever and honestly my six-year-old sits up on my lap sometimes when i'm doing a meeting depending on who it's with and how much right. i need to focus or whatever if it's internal and we're talking about editing the podcast or whatever he'll just kind of sit there with me and we work through it and that's fine right you know you make sure you don't lose time that you don't need to lose yeah and honestly there's an education component too right that's seeing right. you do the work right that's right my dad was a coal miner who came home dirty and tired that's right, <laughs> right? right. So and you get you you see that and you go okay like there's a bar being set there so my kids i've taken plenty of calls in the car with them right and they probably heard things that they didn't need to hear at that point but with enough exposure and with the context of how you're raising your kids, you know, there's some resiliency to like, yeah, maybe that wasn't exactly, you know, appropriate, but you'll survive. But they get to see that, you know, provide an opportunity. We have pictures from the first year where the kids on the weekend were helping me build Ikea furniture for the employee that was going to show up on Monday. <laughs> right. So they got that experience and it was little things that they could do to contribute to a part of it. And now I have a 17 year old. And she took an internship last year with the leadership and development team. Because I was like, we'll just make her the snacker or something. And people that are smarter than me in the organization like, no, let's give her something meaningful and try out some things that may matter. Now she's she loves her boss. Mm. She's like, okay, how do I get his job? And it's like, well, you need to go to business school and you need to look at these kind of things. And that's kind of the track she's on. Yeah. Right? So that opportunity was a part of that mile two journey you know that i'm on too so yeah. i look at that and say you know there's a lot of cool little um maybe side benefits that you mm -hmm. don't think of because everybody thinks about the sacrifice mm -hmm. but it also creates opportunity 20 years from now we will see the first generation of adults who are raised by a work from like a largely work from home yeah. workforce there, there have been work from home people for a long time but a small amount of a couple decades from now we will have a whole generation of kids who a, a huge number of office employees, it, it will be, you know, like 
agriculture days again. People were raised and parents who they were working with, right? Um, I wonder what that's going to look like in a couple of decades. So I haven't thought about it. Like, it's almost the opposite of latchkey kids. But the other thing, you know, the, the other analogy that kind of popped in my head is, you know, what, 20 years ago or so, we started sending work to other time zones, mm-hmm. right? So essentially work get done asynchronously mm-hmm. across time zones. Well, they almost behave that way now. Like, what does a work day look for look like for this generation 20 years from now? Because I bet they don't treat time like we do. Because we kind of grew up in that, well, you go to work at 8, come home at 5, lunch is at noon. Mm-hmm. That's not as real for that group, I don't think. And as it matures and as they explore it, because they're going to explore those boundaries, what's that going to look like? I Like, almost does is work become more asynchronous? And the whole meetings and teams and things like that, yeah. does that start to dissolve? And there's probably some goodness there, too. Now, I, now I don't want to do anything else. I just want to fast forward real quick. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny what tech can do to an entire culture. Yeah. I mean, like a, a little technology, like a video meeting, do to an entire culture. And um, my experience, like, that I'm dealing with right now, cell phones, AirPods. My teenagers walk around with at least one of them with an, an AirPod in at all times. Like, that wasn't even something that Dude, we had a dream. I've just gotten addicted to the AirPods this week. It's funny yeah. that you mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, my wife was just making fun of me about them. She's like, you look like a kid. Because I've, I've had them in all week. Yeah. And I don't, it's like I put them in because, I don't know, I've been busy with my hands because the weather's nicer and whatever else. Right. I've been multitasking a little bit. So I've, I've been on a lot of calls. And so I've had these AirPods in and I'm like, oh, it's so nice because it's, it's quiet. Right. Right. Immediately. So I'm doing calls or whatever, and I can finish what I'm doing. And I take this call and start to walk in the other room. It's crazy, though. Like a couple of little pieces of technology, how how much they can just kind of like integrate your life and stuff. My curiosity, though, is like what those little pieces of technology do to impact kind of the culture of like your home and and other parts of your life. Well, it is like with one in, Mm -hmm. I don't have its full attention. Turn me into Samuel yeah. Jackson a few yeah. times, like, say what? One more time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll lose my mind. Right? Because he's listening to something else on YouTube. Yeah. Whether it's... For me, know, I'm just waiting for the phone to ring so that I can... Yeah, right? So he's got a continuous stream of things going on, whether he's super into uh, basketball. So okay. kid knows as much about the NBA as probably most GMs in the NBA okay. at this point. <laughs> and, or like Minecraft and other things. He's trying yeah. to learn how to play or... Inter- like, okay. this stuff just... Oh, See, for me, it's an opportunity to be more present right. because I can, instead of sitting and waiting, I can be present and wait for my phone call and then I can right. duck out if I need to, right? To your previous point, though, like, he's living life in a completely asynchronous way, right? We right. used to have to put blocks of time. Right. I'm going to play video games here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to study this. Mm-hmm. He's doing that while getting dressed and putting lunch yeah. together and all that kind of stuff on his way to school. Like, yeah. literally in the car, I'll look over and there's Half one airport there. Right, and he can carry on a conversation while doing it, but it's just yeah. one of those. Again, what's time in that kind of situation? He's not yeah. blocking it the way we did. It's fluid, way more fluid and continuous. What's next for you at Mile Two? When you think about the next couple of years for you guys, um, I know as kind of a senior leader, you, your mind tends to wander at a little bit. Where do you want to be? Where are you trying to go? This is something we've actually been thinking about because we're seeing how the world shifted particularly in the defense space, things have become much bigger programs, much uh, larger teams of teams in accomplishing things. There's less of the early, like, let me give your team a small project and let's see how this goes. Mm-hmm. It's figure out how to integrate into this larger picture. The perfect world to me, you know, in five, five years is we're majorly influencing the teams 
that are delivering these big programs. Mm -hmm. like right now, we're a bit player, right? Mm -hmm. Our ideas are strong and they, they go places, but in that configuration, it's dominated by primes and, and other thought leaders, and, and it hasn't fully shifted yet. In five years, I think we will be an integral piece of influencing what cognitive systems engineering looks like in that, what human machine teaming really looks like. Because what I expect is over the next five years, the progress they've made in the technical side is going to expose all kinds of failure modes that they couldn't anticipate. Mm. And back to those original thoughts of the system boundaries, everybody gets excited for adopting to new technology, right? We've yeah. had that pop up multiple times just in this conversation. It's yeah. new tech. What did they do? Yeah. Everybody gets super excited about it. But inherently, adopting new technology, uh, it, it introduces new failure modes. How do you start to understand those, build recovery, build interventions, and allow the system to continue so that it's not just a complete fail, right? You can't hard reboot a series of airplanes in midair, right? In principle, you can, right? It's not very effective. So how do you start to understand that, right? These three aren't talking to that three. Uh-oh. You can't just reboot them. Consequences are too high, right? So that's where I think model two will be. It's where we should be. We should be, as people start to recognize that and go, we don't have good ways to deal with that. We're going to be standing over there saying, we've been working on this for like 10 years. We've thought about this a lot. We can help you. There are a few things that are going to keep that from happening. Was it Mike Tyson said? Everybody's got a good plan until you get punched in the face, right? Exactly. What's going to punch you in the face? And, and how are you going to be prepared for that? Pricing. Okay. Evolving models, right? So we started as a... We were team-based. Okay. We tried to sell a team as a unit whole. Right, so that was a unit we sold. Okay. And now, depending on what program or project you're working on, they may need this, this, and that, and they very rarely need a team. I see. So those are the kind of things that we're trying to navigate now, is how do you integrate in this new business model that not only the DOD has, but you need to adapt as well mm. to be successful because you can't sell that unit whole. One of the problems you may run into getting to that, that vision is that the DOD wants to acquire a whole team? Four or five years ago, mm -hmm. the Air Force in particular said, we are going to do large demonstrations. We're not going to do pet projects. We're not going to do a bunch of small things. We're going to do demonstrations. And it either works and survives or it dies fast. Mm -hmm. But with critical mass, we're going to spend $80 million on this thing. Mm -hmm. Not to, you know, $80 million worth of $150,000 projects. I see. Or $3 okay. million projects. Okay. So as you can imagine, for a small business, it's a lot easier to get into a 150K project and have that be your complete thing, right? right and only you, right. or a $3 million project where you're doing half the work or yep. maybe all the work there too. A small business saying, I'm gonna do the $80 million project, so, there's a risk profile that most DOD folks don't wanna take, right? So it says, I'm gonna bet on this small company right. to do it 80 million. So you're gonna be a part of a team. Gotcha. So how do you evolve your business model as the Air Force and the DOD is evolving its business model, I right? See. And being a one-stop shop is challenging too, right? Mm -hmm. Autonomous control algorithm for X probably doesn't work for Y. Air and C maybe, because there's a lot of degrees of freedom, but okay. as soon as you say, okay, we'll do ground vehicles. Well, that's different, right? So mm -hmm. being like, we're gonna do the control algorithms and the designs and the hardware, how many companies are big enough to do that? So a lot of the challenge may just be scale. Yeah. Getting to the appropriate scale so that you have an invitation to solve the problems that you're capable of solving. Right. So where do you fit and how do you fit there? Well, that sounds like a big and, and fun problem to try to solve over the next five years. I don't know about fun, but <laughs> big and important. That's a good one, though. Big and important. It is, yeah. What else? What else is going to get in your way? You were talking about uh, COVID impacts. 
okay. and remote work and how those things have changed the dynamic for a mm-hmm. lot of things. I think one of the things, especially in the world that you're in, right? Mm-hmm. I'm seeing some evidence that people are not growing and getting the mentorship and things that they need as so they job hop. It's really easy to kind of mask some of those things in a way that you couldn't before. Like, hey, this isn't working out for me. I just go find another job. Mm. And I don't think that you can find jobs and learn at the pace that will actually grow you in your career. Mm. So the lack of patience, the lack of willingness to work through the adversity. There's so many. I can work. I can work for anybody anywhere. Right. I just need to hop online. I can find a job tomorrow, especially if you're a software developer, a designer, an algorithm developer. So how do you make sure? that just because someone has seven years of experience doesn't mean that they've had good mentorship. They have good experience. How do you start to tease some of that stuff out? Because resumes are going to look really, really good, I think. That's right. But I think they very likely could be masking a whole lot of challenges in someone's actual development. So caliber of talent, tenure, trust on the team. What's your take on that? I'm actually curious. Well, on one aspect of it. Now that anybody can work from any where for anyone Mm -hmm. are people actually getting meaningful experiences and growth Mm -hmm. from those jobs yeah or are they moving on too fast it's kind of two questions and so i'll answer i'll I'll give you my perspective on both so the first part is kind of are are people less engaged and getting less kind of mentorship and, and leadership and growth as they're working remotely with somebody that they don't know as well and aren't as close to like and I think there's certainly a threat of that. And I think the bigger threat is that there are a lot of leaders out there who had to learn too fast how to manage re- remote teams and don't do it well, right? And so there are some shops who kind of were built that way. They were mentored remotely and, and learned to lead people regardless of where they sat and whatever else, right? Like right. there's something to like sitting here, right? Like you and I got on the phone the other day, we had a conversation or whatever. There's just a certain depth to like being presence, breaking bread, whatever, and just like being at ease, reading body language. There is something about being present, right? I believe in that. Most people do. Like the vast majority of people do. I think even people who want to work remotely believe that there's more value being in right. a person with somebody, right? They just prefer the conveniences of being home. Everybody knows there's value being in person with somebody. They know there's a trade of value. There's a trade-off of value. So there is something being lost there, and it takes a unique set of skills and leadership that a lot of leaders did not learn as fast as they were burdened with the responsibility of having to lead and grow people. So yes, the answer is, I do think there has been something lost with the volume of people who are all of a sudden responsible for mentoring and growing and maturing their teams of people uh, remotely. So I think there is something lost there. One of the things that's hugely valuable from an experience gaining and a mentoring standpoint is that unstructured interactions, right? Observability or the unintentional interactions. Like everybody talks about the coffee maker, the water, water, but the lunch, the walk into lunch and the overheards. One of the things that we've done at Model 2 is be very intentional about that. We have things called potpourri, water cooler, Different things that we put unstructured time on the calendar. It says, join. There's no agenda. Work on whatever you're working on. But there may be of value some of the overheards between other colleagues that are talking. Hey, did I tell you about this? Or did you see this? Da, 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 da. And other people get to pick up, even if they're not contributing. Mm -hmm. Even if they're primarily working on something else, you get those overheards. So one of the things I've talked about with our leaders is you need to figure out for your teams unstructured time. 
because mm-hmm. you can't calendar your way into this or mm-hmm. meet your way into this. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're going to meet. We're going to meet, talk about this. There's always stuff that's going to be missed. That's right. So creating that unstructured time and allowing for those unintentional interactions because sure. there's value in them. When I reflect back on the best impact I ever had as a leader, I'm friends with those people. And I'm thinking people that I, le- that I led a decade ago. Yeah. I'm still Ashley, Nick, Tammy. I'm friends with them now. Right. They look back on our relationship and they still like me. They still call me. They still text me or whatever. And, I, and a couple more. Like if I were to reach out to them, they'd be like, hey, Aaron, great to hear from you, whatever. You know, like they, I, I don't get invites you know, if I dial back far enough or whatever. It's like they're not inviting me to the wedding or whatever. But I mean, like they would love to hear from me. And I would love to hear from them. Right. You know, like like their pictures are up here somewhere, right? Like they, when they worked for me, and I'd say worked for me, like they wouldn't have felt like they were my property or something, right? Really? Like not at the time. But when they were on my team, if I were to just call them for for no reason, I could have just called them for no reason. And they would have felt like it was appropriate. Right. They would have felt like it was fine. If I just said like, hey, what's going on? How you doing? What's going on with your spouse or what's going on? Our kids doing. I, I bring that up just to say that I think there's something to be said for just giving a shit. Right. And I think there is a there's a responsibility that a leader has. Like whether your job is to like manage the servers, you know, whatever your job is, whatever your responsibility are. And for, and for me, it was to get the resumes submitted to the whatever. Right. Um, as a leader, your job is to just give a shit about those dozen people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so you know, I, I knew Ashley's kid, and I knew Chad's girlfriend, and I knew Mike's you know, car had problems and whatever else. Right. And they were not my kids. You know what I mean? Like I, I didn't take all responsibility for them. I wasn't their dad, but I cared about them on top of just doing the job, the resumes or the servers or the code or whatever. It was also kind of on me to give a shit about their lives. And so I feel like however you do it with teams or the water cooler or whatever little widgets you plug into your, you know, your, (laughs) your, your Google app or whatever. I think you, you also just have to like just care about people, and there's no way to fake that. There's the no word way. that keeps coming up in my head is intentionality. Like right. you have to be intentional about wanting to bond with people. That's right. You got to be intentional about wanting to have a relationship, right? And even you know, I may not know all the details like you said about, the, or, or even get an invite to the wedding, mm-hmm. but being connected enough that you're aware that they're getting married, right? That's right. And you bring it up in a meeting, you acknowledge it in some kind of way. That makes people real. Yeah. Right. That's right. It's not transactional. So it's that intentionality around wanting to generate a relationship or an appropriate relationship regardless yeah. of, of where you sit in an organization or or being you know intentional about acknowledging and building that bond. That is super important. That's and that's easier to do when like, hey, you got plans for lunch. When you can have impromptu because you're in the share in the hallway or whatever. Right? right. You know what I mean? And it's way easier to do when you just randomly share space. Yeah. But you might just have to grab a call here. You know what I mean? Or whatever you do, right? However you do it. For me, it's more like, don't waste the opportunity, right? So if for some reason you find yourself in a situation with this person in a meeting or their boss or someone Mm. else they interact with and an anecdote comes out, use that the next time. Not use it in a... a, Like Like, like leverage? Right. No. But bring that up. That's right. Hey, that You know, I ran into one of our employees at, at a dinner. He was at dinner with his wife. I was at dinner with my wife. Made sure to stop by his table. Was talked to him a little bit. Told me he fell off the ladder. The next stand up on Wednesday, I made a note of it. Right about <laughs> it in front of all hundred people. Yeah. So now you know, not to embarrass him or anything like that, but it's one of those to make it. It was a genuine That's right. connection. That's right. 
right? And it was a genuine connection that you could expose to other people and say, you know what, that that guy cares. Like he didn't just go have dinner and wave. Yeah. He stopped. He spoke to his wife. He found out what was going on. Not only took that, he remembered it a week later and shared it with the larger group in the context of something else. To digress back to the point that you brought up about talent and the risk of kind of disconnecting and losing the opportunity to really kind of like mentor and develop folks or whatever. That, that is a risk. There is a trade-off there to kind of losing less, you know, influence and whatever there. There's such a battle going on in kind of like the greater kind of talent community or whatever of like, oh, coming to the back to the office at, you know, so you're evil if you make us come back to the office, whatever. That's cool, whatever. You know, have your argument, your position, whatever it is, but let's not pretend like there's no value in being present together. There is. There, it's a trade-off. And if you feel like it, it falls further this way than that way, that's fine. I, I do agree that there's something lost there. We have to figure out how to, and and, and maybe it's just a matter of, like you said, intentionality is the right. key. Right? And then there's some people that desire that more than, than others, right? That's right. And I think they disproportionately benefit from, from others, right? Mm-hmm. There's a group that comes into our office on a regular basis, mm-hmm. and several of them are pretty junior, and, and some of them are. Mm-hmm. So they're getting those interactions, but also, like, I make sure to stop by and talk to yeah. them every day. Like I had a really bad schedule one day and, and it was like two thirty before huh. I made it to the fourth floor and they were like the date was incomplete. Like where were you? What are you doing? Like da 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 da, you know? Yeah. Type of thing. And I was like, Whoa, whoa, y'all pay that attention. <laughs> like, it's just what I do. Like, cause yeah. I enjoy it. I like seeing and talking to people. But they were like, Wait, our day was weird. Yeah. Cause you hadn't been here yet. You wanna know my two cents on the work from home versus remote team thing? Here's my here's my two cents is I think Teams are way more productive when they're co-located. That's my two cents. Okay. And and people can argue however they want about it. That's my objective opinion. That's my subjective opinion, rather. But I think individuals in their lives feel way more productive when they get to work from home. And they feel way more holistic when they get to work from home. Right. And they own the market, particularly in the high-tech field that we live in. They own the market. So it shifted a little bit toward the employer, where I'd say a little bit. But it's still a talent world. The talent still kind of owns the market in the high tech world. So if you want to run a successful tech business or whatever, I think giving options, whether it's hybrid or being very, you know, kind of progressive about working from home or whatever, I think it's a great it's a great resource to offer. Yeah. And I think that's where framing matters, right? So if you are not treating the world as a series of stakeholders mm-hmm. and it's right. primarily about the um, shareholders, right. when you mandate those things. That's right. It's very universal, you know, one-sided, unilateral, right? When you try to live out your your beliefs as, you know, looking at different stakeholders, Mm -hmm. and you try to explain, like, profit does matter. Profit's not evil. Yeah. It's what you do with it. It's how you prioritize it. It's how you... uh, It's a big part of getting to that five-year plan. Right. If you make it about trade-offs and not trade spaces, then then you end up at some funky spots and animosity builds up and and capitalism gets twisted, right, into this evil thing. And it doesn't have to be and you know it's driven actually so much good in the world like that's right. we lose perspective of that so one of the things that we've talked about as we've navigated because everybody has that reaction particularly as a senior leader or as a, yeah. a, a gen xer you're like well we need to get back in the office and if we can tie it to a business need and we can tie it to you know that customer stakeholder our team stakeholders and the community stakeholders i think folks will buy in on that yeah. and not be you know wholly resistant to it yeah but if you just say, we need you here. Then my, become, my whip doesn't reach you. 
Well, just because of the compliance <laughs> thing too. That's like, right. Now you're you're like checking badges, you've got all this compliance stuff. It's like every time I go into your office, which I've been in there twice, I guess my heart breaks a little bit because it's like the coolest office in Dayton, <laughs> and it's empty. Right. I, yeah. Your whole team's all over the country, and it's the coolest office in the area. Yeah. I mean, the COVID provided opportunities too, right? <laughs> so we could hire talent wherever they were. Yeah. But the decisions that were made pre-COVID when we, the propensity of our folks were in yeah. Dayton led to that office being built. And it, I appreciate the comment. It's such a I cool also space. agree. I'm like, this place is it's awesome. It's such a cool space. And you see it, you know, 30 people in there. Yeah. When it can hold <laughs> maybe 200, you're like. Right. But hey, five years from now, when you're 500 people big, then. That's the way I look at it. Right? Right. <laughs> it's back to that irrational optimism. Now, if we get 500, then 150 will be in there. That's right. Well, so. thanks for being a guest on the podcast. Yeah. I appreciate the conversation. Anything else you want to hit before we wrap it up? Uh, no, thanks for the opportunity, right? And again, thanks for being a stakeholder in the community and making this all go. Because these are the kind of vehicles, venues, and opportunities that need to be a part of the ecosystem to really make it continue to go. I appreciate your, I don't know if I ever told you thank you, but I'm pretty sure you drove business my way at least once or. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, good day to you, man. Look, Thanks, Jake. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right.